Well, hello Recording and welcome to all, not all things radio. How about book talk? I flipped the wrong script there. Anyway, we're in Hurricane Central right now. So if for some reason we would have to go off, we just will. I mean, that's just the way it is today. We've had three tornado warnings, so maybe everything will be good. I think it will. I think we're the calm before the storm. So we'll turn it over to Nolan and Jenny. And Jenny, take it away. And we're right here for you. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm glad to see so many people coming to join us today. And I know that this is a book talk show, but I'm sorry, but all morning long, all day long, I have heard Riders on the Storm in my head, and I can't get that song out of my head. But anyway, be that as it may, how are you, Nolan? I am the better side of excellent, in all truth. I've just had, I've decided that I'm an incredibly simple-minded person, and I, I don't say that lightly. I just find myself inordinately happy about stupid small things <laughs> that most people would just ignore you know just, hey, uh, i don't know where it's coming from it's been true for the last several weeks months even but yeah it just uh small stupid small stuff that just light me up uh you know just like i said really dumb stuff the fact that my dog is still alive and uh my air conditioner works. I mean, there's. I could. I won't go down the list, obviously, but they're just these. Well, weird, I guess, weird. Nolan, you and I are not in the path of a hurricane. That's well, we're not apparently that's positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that's the other thing. If they get hurricanes up where we are, we're in real trouble. <laughs> yeah, we're we're scared for sure. But yeah, yeah no, I've, I'm doing well. It's been a it's been a great week. Partly because I had this to look forward to. This is one of the highlights of the week. Oh, it's always the highlight of my week, but I have a hard time keeping up with you and finding <laughs> good books. <to> <laughs> well, you you are much better organized at all of this than I am. I have to go back and rack my brain and see what I remember about something uh, when it gets back to me. But, but I'm that's cool. grateful for Goodreads and the ability to go back and, and look at stuff I've done in the past. And I'm, I do keep, I do keep my DB review stuff, um, in a in a nice safe safe place so that you know i know i can always find it so it helps well gregory's ready to join us he he must have a good book to recommend or i'm, or I'm always so, eager to listen gregory to him. come on in yeah hey can you guys hear me we yes. can hear you very good um well uh i want to say that uh no one i'm glad you're feeling so well i was concerned about you a number of weeks ago yes. and i really yes. ought to listen about that yes um I know we're, we're the only hurricanes we get in our area come from the University of Miami. On uh-huh. <laughs> and I hope that everybody's in the hurricane state and, and affected by the hurricanes down south or is stay safe. And and uh, but I I have a uh, I want to kick off. Uh, I have a uh, book to talk about today to kick off the college football season um, next Tuesday. Just right. on a personal note, I will not be at this meeting because. Uh, the ninth is the uh, Tibittle, which is the OSU Marching Band Alumni Association uh, reunion game is on, and I'm involved in uh, uh, online registration and re- uh, 
on phone registration for that. And we have rehearsal next Tuesday night, so I will be busy with that. We will miss you, but that sounds like a good project. But I will be at Ohio Stadium, which incidentally was where I lived uh, in the scholarship dorm my four years in college. Uh, Ohio Mm -hmm. Stadium is my home. There you go. And uh, there we are, And even though the dorm isn't there anymore. So the book I'm going to talk about is – a Civil War by John Feinstein, and John Feinstein is F-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. Uh, I'll get to the DB number here in a second. Um, a Civil War is the uh, is a story of the 1995 season for Army and Navy. Feinstein mm-hmm. spent that season on the campus at West Point and on an, in Annapolis. And, That's uh, fun. And you know interviews and portrays all the all the um, players on, from both teams, the coaches. Uh, Ohio State had a, a George Chomp was the coach uh, Navy at the time. He was an Ohio State uh, product when I was in school, and uh, so and, and Feinstein writes a m- most wonderful descriptive book. If you're a football fan at all, it's almost a, a fall classic. That uh, it isn't quite the same as reading a Christmas Carol at Christmas. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but for for a football uh, uh, book, it is wonderful because you get to know the players, their personalities. They they're playing not only they don't go on to the pro they do now, but uh, they you know after they they're careers in college are over mm-hmm. they're going to be officers in the united states navy and the united states army mm-hmm. and uh they're going to be playing for higher stakes than yes football yes, and, and uh it and they just it, it's a heartwarming book and I, I have another personal reason because now the president of the ohio state university is a naval academy graduate there you go yeah. so um let me get over here to my uh uh, Feels like the '70s again, doesn't it? Uh, we have uh, high high gas prices, and now President Carter yeah. back. Now, yeah. while you're looking for that, great John Feinstein has had a lot of good books. So if you if you type him in your search, you might find a lot of good things by him that people would like to read. I would mm-hmm. say about 20 books. Yeah, uh, that's what I. <laughs> yep, that's what I found. Um, amazing. Let me scroll down here. Uh, here it is. <laughs> It's DB44,165. DB44,165. Can can you repeat the name of them? Yes. uh, The name is... uh, It's a Civil War, Army versus Navy, a year inside college football's purest rivalry. Cool. Thank you. And it's it's a magnificent book uh, for anybody that's a that's a college football fan. I know college football is not today. It's not your grandfather's college football yeah. game, but yeah. we can't help that. That's true. Very true. Well, Very thank good. you for that. It's a great so, recommendation. Yeah, well, you're, you're welcome. And we, we have uh, on another personal note, we have almost 600 alumni band members wow. coming back to march down the field one oh, more gosh. time and uh, <laughs> part of uh, Four Script Ohio's. On, my goodness. Uh, September the 9th. I marched in that for 25 years until my body started sending me signals that told me to get off the field. And <laughs> so I stepped up to administration and now I'm involved well, with uh, the administrative side of things. That's fantastic. We wish you well next week. Thank yep. you. Thank Thanks. you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, Pierre is next. Come on All in, right. Pierre. Yeah, uh, I read two good books this week. Uh, the first one is called Apache by Lorenzo Carcaterra. And what it's about is, well, the first uh, part of the book is about 
the, all these policemen and, you know, some of them get shot. Some of them uh, get, uh, you know, hit by cars and different things. And they're all they're all disabled. They're no longer a policeman. So they find out about this lady who is buying babies and what she's doing with them. I won't tell you, but uh, she's buying these babies. And so they form a group called Apache and they're going after this lady. And uh, it's a really good book. Uh, and it's uh, Apache by, La- by Lorenzo Corcaterra. And uh, the second book I, I've read this week is called Sick by Brett Battles. And this company invents this disease where they can put the disease in a town and uh, kill the entire town. And uh, so uh, the book is, is, is about this group they're following that uh, – you know they're killing people and uh, and all of this and uh, uh, and they're trying to figure out a way to stop them and uh, so it's a good book too you know very cool thank you that Brett Battles is a magnificent writer oh yeah and this sick is really good I'll bet I'm grateful for that recommendation I'll, I've got it written down here uh, thanks for that that's good good knowledge and we're caught up with hands okay. So, Jenny, you want to go first? You want me to go first? What's uh, what's on the agenda here? Oh, you can go first if you want. Okay. Just a quick housekeeping thing. Next Tuesday is our monthly buddy read, and we're going to be doing Identity by Nora Roberts. And um, I'm really reluctant to read this. I haven't started it yet. I'll, I admit that. But I will have done it by Tuesday, I promise. So, And, babe, by the way, the description sounded really good, the, the fact that I mean, it looks like something I'm actually going to enjoy. I just see her as more romance than anything else. You'll enjoy it despite yourself. Yeah, I bet I do. All right, so I want to begin this week by talking about, and this several of the books I'm going to talk about tonight have not yet appeared on DB Review. So if you're here thinking, oh, it's going to be the same old stale stuff he's already sent out, yeah, not so much. Um I want to talk to you about an interesting novel that I just finished this morning. This past night was another extremely sleepless one for me. I had exactly two hours of sleep. And so um, I was able to finish this rather handily today. It's called um, The Light of Luna Park, a novel. This is by Addison Armstrong. Her uh, first name is A-D-D-I-S-O-N. Last name is Armstrong, very conventionally spelled. It is DB105931. Once again, DB105931. Why does this matter? Many of us who are listening to this podcast or who are on the call this afternoon started life in an incubator. I certainly did, and I suspect there are others on this call who uh, began life that way. This novel is a wonderful exploration of a mother and daughter relationship. And the mother, the woman who became mother to this child, was concerned about the number of babies who were dying prematurely in Bellevue Hospital in New York City. They would be born at two pounds or two and a half pounds, and the doctor would say, well, we can't, we can't mess up God's plan. We, these kids have to die. Worse still was the influence of American eugenics, which we we think of Hitler as being uh, evil when it comes to his came to his um, his habits uh, medically dealing with people who had disabilities and and uh, who were Jewish, etc. 
but the eugenics movement had a magnificent flourishing in the United States before it ever got to Mr. Hitler, unfortunately. It's one of the dark pieces of our history, I think. And um, so these guys would look at these little preemies and say, they're weaklings, they're not fit to live, it's God's plan that they die. And so this young woman who is a nurse at Bellevue has read about a, frankly, a freak show that's going on out at Coney Island, which basically lets these, uh, creates incubators that these little kids are placed into. And the freak show part is that, that the staff members will sometimes put a wedding ring on the arm or the leg of one of these little preemies. But the, the, the bottom line is these, these darn incubators are saving the lives of these little kids. The nurse, this particular nurse, is in the hospital one night when a, a child is born that weighed 2.2 pounds. And the doctor said, well, it's got to die, uh, needs to die. We're not going to be able to save this. And the mother, of course, was distraught. The father was abusive and didn't care one way or another. But uh, when the, the mother was sedated and so on, this, this nurse actually absconded with this baby and took it to Luna Park at Coney Island and got it enrolled in this incubator program over there. Well, the child lived. And this is the story of that nurse and that little girl. Her name is Stella Wright. Stella Wright is the daughter. And the two of them who sort of grew up together, the nurse had every intention of returning that child to the mother, but events all changed and events all came together that that ultimately prevented that from happening. So she she felt a little little bit threatened that she was going to be accused of kidnapping and so on. It's a magnificent debut novel by this author, and you do get a tiny bit of the history of incubators and, and how they were initially introduced in the United States by essentially a con man, not even a real doctor. And uh, eventually, by the 1940s, pretty well all of the hospitals in the country had at least uh, one or two of these devices on hand uh, for preemies. And so those of us who came along in the in the late 40s through the late 50s, uh, found ourselves in one of these, uh, probably at some level, in an indirectly at least, may have the uh, the whole Coney Island freak show thing um, indirectly to, to is responsible for that. So once again, that's the light of Luna Park um, by Addison Armstrong. And again, the, the number is DB105931. Um, that's a pretty good book. Oh, it's wonderful. It's beautifully written. Look, very quality stuff. I had a few today, and I don't know. Huh. This, this first one I thought I would talk about is called The Hand That Rocks the Ladle, a Pennsylvania Dutch mystery. Their son, yeah. And this is by um, Tamara Myers, and it's um, it's one of the shorter books that I've read and I but I like them because they're fairly short but they're fun reads mm-hmm. and it's just a little over six hours and Kristen Allison makes these books she's the perfect narrator for them and this is the first one in the series I believe and it's uh, about Magdalena Yoder who is a she's a Mennonite and she's an innkeeper she runs the bed and breakfast and she has a whack, a, a crazy group of characters, and she's very, she's very innocent. So there's lots of humor in these because of the things they say and the things they do. Because she's so innocent, and she doesn't 
doesn't realize the, the double meanings behind things a lot of the time. She takes the innocent view of it. And her Amish cook is preparing to be a grandmother to triplets. Well, when her daughter has the babies, there's only two. So she thinks, the, the cook thinks that, that somebody took one of the babies. And so she gets Magdalena to help her find out what happened to the other baby. And it, it, it's just really good. It's, there's, no, there's no blood and guts to it. And it's really, it's a fun read. And her sister, Magdalena's sister, is, is one of the main characters in these books. And she's just riot. She has this little poodle that she carries under her skirt all the time, and she's just she's just goofy. And anyway, it's I I just thought they was that it was really good. And I've read some of the other books in that series, and they were real good too. And the cool thing is is that there are uh, recipes in here from some of the things that they um, that she cooked that they cook in the inn, and that's um, well, that's, again, it's The Hand That Rocks the Ladle by Tamara Myers, and it is DB55404. Excellent. Very we cool. Thank you. Hands. Yeah, Let's bring like in uh, Gil, and then Kathy, you're going to be up after him. So Gil is first, and then Kathy. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Uh, Gil in St. Louis. Uh, I uh, kind of want to second that uh review, Jennifer, that you just did, uh, Tamara Meyer's book. I've Mm -hmm. read that entire uh, series. I've read her entire other series, too, but uh, I really enjoyed the Pennsylvania Dutch series that uh, she did, and uh, they're they're just hilarious to me. Uh, After 15, 20 books, they do start sounding a little bit alike, but uh, I I spread them out and put lots of books in between them so that they were enjoyable every time I read one. And uh, some of the things that, that I enjoyed in those books, there's a church down the road that had 31 words in the name of the church. And <laughs> I counted them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, that's hilarious. And then uh, and the she, comes up, <laughs> she comes up with such interesting uh, uh, ways to express uh, making love. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mattress Mambo and stuff like that. <laughs> this sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, she's got, I don't know, I, I didn't count them, but she's got, she must have 15, 20 different ways of putting that. So it, it's a hilarious series, and I can recommend all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. And I always like her Kathy is next. <laughs> Are you there, Kathy? Thank you. There, we sent her the request again. Then I'll go in and back Not it up. Not at this time. Thank there you. There you go. Yeah, I, I didn't get the first request. Anyway, we're good. Oh, you know, uh, about that, uh, the light of Luna Park? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a podcast called the Moth Radio Hour, and people tell about their stories. It's from National Public Radio is mm-hmm. where I hear it. And I heard this father talking about this. Interesting. He he told his story about how he, he took his baby to to that place, uh, the incubator. Wow! And yeah, you're right. A lot of us did start out in an incubator. Yeah, certainly I, me. I was born December 23rd, and they told my mother. You know, in those days, they kept them four days if yeah. it was a cesarean. Yeah. And they said, 
uh, you might as well go home and try to enjoy Christmas. We think or, she's going to die. She's not going to make it. They actually said that to my you know, mother. That's, that's very common. Like my The physician my mother had basically said he's not going to make it through the night. There's right. a certain Latter-day Saint ritual that you carry out with a newborn baby. It's called giving it a name and a blessing. That was yes, all done in I the know. hospital right <laughs> there, bedside. He said, this kid isn't going to make it. So you, whatever you guys do, carry it out, get it done here. Mm-hmm. And uh, So, yeah, I can relate to that. That's, that's very common. Yeah, they usually do that at a couple months old. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you got, well, at least you got it done early. That's uh, cool. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that must have been scary for your dad, though. Yeah, and your mom. Yes, yeah. I've always kidded her that she was on serious drugs, and that's why she came up with the name Nolan because nobody else in their right mind would have done it. She oh, never, come never on! Never did like that uh, that that sentiment. I can tell you, but anyway, yeah. I'm I've been you... reading. Yeah, I've been reading Amish uh, stuff this week, and I really like Beth Wiseman. Ah. And but I have read some of the stuff that Jenny was talking about. That I'll have to get the. Uh, the rock a ladle thing that sounds hysterical but this mag magna or whatever her name is Mm -hmm. she is really funny but this time i read something called an unusual match and beth likes to have people get together that shouldn't really be together but it works out either an englisher becomes an amish man or a woman and the amish person may become an englisher interesting you know to uh or a lot of times the Amish person, you know, becomes Mennonite, but they do what they have to do to, you know, so that the couple can stay together. And they're very innocent books. It's just kissing. Yeah. But, you know, they, uh, uh, and uh, the one book I read, well, I cannot, oh, what was it called? I read it this week and I can't remember already, but it was, uh, Har- oh, Hearts in Harmony. And apparently this younger, the, the girl that it's really about, she marries uh, somebody she's interested in, and he's interested in her, but the younger sister gets uh, pregnant out of wedlock, which is really unusual in the Amish community, but mm-hmm. anything can happen in a book. Yeah. So that's it. Very Thank cool. You. Thank you. Appreciate that. I think we're caught up on the hands. I was one of those incubator babies, too, Nolan. My mom mm-hmm. always told me, she, oh, we're going to have Don here in just a second. My mom right. always told me, though, you were two pounds when you were born, and she said, man, by looking at you now, you yeah, never right. know it. I get a lot of that, too. <laughs> How was it ever possible that yep. you, uh, I get that a lot, yeah. Don, <laughs> Don, Don and Sandy, come on in. Yes, uh, Sandy here, she was uh, in an incubator. Yep. Uh, Sandy, who you there? Who would have thought they would have started uh, okay, at Coney well, Island, of all places? Right. Uh, That's what blows okay, my mind. apparently she's kind of busy, so... Uh, but, and you'd have thought it would have been somebody really brilliant that invented them, too. Well, exactly. Some medical... Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Go ahead, Doc. Yeah, you there? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you guys. Oh, you're fine. It's good. Okay, Go, well, go yeah, she was in, in an incubator, but she's being worked on at the moment. Uh, Sandy, she uh, she's uh, in a in a nursing home right now, so you know, they're coming in to work on her to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, what we were going to talk about mainly was... Uh, this book uh, by David uh, Sardachi, um, Dreamtown by him. Uh, I guess that's Baldacci. I'm sorry. I right. Yep. Yep. David Baldacci. Makes sense. Uh, anyway, uh, it's a very good uh, detective story, kind of in the mode of the uh, late 40s, early 50s. And, uh, you know, it's uh, very much like uh, uh, Mr. Novak, uh, the, the uh, Jack Webb character that uh, – 
that uh, he was doing on radio at the time. Yeah. Um, anyway, he is uh, this guy. His name, his last name is Archer. I forget what his first name is. It's uh, been a, a bit of time since I've read this book, and I was hoping Sandy could fill in some of the uh, missing points. But anyway, uh, the character in the story is uh, hired to. Uh, this lady hires him because she thinks somebody is out to get her. This is uh, 1953, period time-wise, and uh, so Hollywood, 1953. And uh, this uh, David uh, has done some wonderful work on uh, the history of Hollywood at that time. He certainly knows this history of the period. And so anyway, this lady, she's a writer, and she thinks somebody's going to come get her. And so he starts working on the case, and uh, Archer does. And he, the first thing he does is go sneaking around her house. And uh, she's not there. He can't find her, but he does find the body of another detective that's been murdered there. Oh, nasty. And that's the beginning of a long sequence of events uh, that, that leads to these uh, uh, guys who are into human trafficking. And uh, so he has, uh, Archer has the job of trying to stop these human traffickers. Uh, they're the cat lovers. There's a, there's a, a lady with five kitties in it. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, it's a, it's a great read. It's uh, the best one. Uh, we have a, a book club here at the Braille Institute, and it's uh, definitely the best uh, uh, best story we read this year. It was that's really great. good. Yeah, oh, there we great. go. Yeah, very good. Well, thank Dream you. Town, so, uh, you say that was called Dreamtown? Dreamtown. Dreamtown, yeah. Dreamtown. By David uh, Baldacci. David Baldacci. Yeah. He's a good writer. So, uh, I definitely recommend that one. It's the best thank one you. that they have in the thing. That's uh, not, he's an auto download for me. I, I, a little bit more? Yeah, oh, uh, yes. By the way, the, uh, the narrators are Brittany. Presley, mm -hmm. uh, there was another narrator, uh, I, I, that's the only one they have here. Probably Keith uh, Brewer. Uh, 11 it? hours, 3 minutes. And uh, okay. the DB number is DB107645 there. Cool. All right. Thank I mean, you. Sorry, sorry, no. It's really a good book. Great. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, thank okay, you. Okay, well, we're out of here, as they say in the, in the sports club. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks again. Oh, you bet. Bye. <laughs> Any other hands? And we're caught up. We are caught up with hands. Okay. Oh, we uh, are. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> there we go. Uh, there you go, Sherry, if you want to unmute. <clears throat> okay. Let's make it there. there she is. Yep. So, since people have been talking about series, and since I just pre-ordered the next book in the series, I like We've lost you, or else I we have been did. lost. Yeah. I lost power in one of the two. Nope, I, uh, I hear everybody else. So, Sherry, I don't know what happened there. We've we've mislaid you someplace. She We're ordered a book, happened. and then in her, one of her favorite series. I know. I was looking forward to <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, we wanted to know what her favorite series was. I know. I'm feeling cheated here. <laughs> just by no. the... Now we'll you can, if, you come back up, if you come back up, Sherry, you can start... You can just talk whenever... Um, yep. Deborah is up though, and Let her. there you go, Deborah. You're good. <laughs> Sherry will be back in a second, and we'll get yep. Deborah. She's her connection. I think is a little flaky today, but go ahead, Deborah. Or Sherry, whoever's first. 
Okay, oh am I here now? You're good now, yeah. yes. There I you go. I was fine, and then it just went away. Yeah. And then it wouldn't let me unmute, so I had to raise my hand again. That's okay. Um, so I want to talk about the Alex Delaware series a little bit. It's one series I've been reading for over 30 years. I think I read the first one in the late 80s. And for anybody who doesn't know about the series... Alex Delaware is a child psychologist. The author was also a child psychologist who wrote very scholarly books about dealing with childhood cancer, which was his specialty. So he is a child psychologist. The main character is Alex Delaware. And in the first book, Milo Sturgis, a L.A. homicide cop, asks him to help out on a case. And the two become very good friends. In the beginning of this series, you find out that Milo Sturgis is a, uh, he's gay, which is not a good thing to be as an L.A. cop. And Kellerman had trouble getting this series published in, what, 1985, I think the first book was published. And he had trouble finding a publisher that would accept it because of Milo. But the strength of this series is the friendship between Alex and Milo. And it is just friendship. Milo has a partner and such, and Alex has a girlfriend. Each book, what I love about it is the psychology. You know, a mystery is a mystery, and it's great. But he goes into the psychology of things, and the first few books dealt with kids a lot. The later books don't as much. So if you like psychology and you like strong friendships in books, this is a fabulous series. I just, Kellerman announced on his Facebook group the next book, and I went right to Audible that nice. minute and pre-ordered it. <laughs> nice. It'll come out in February, and I'll get it that day right and drop there. everything to read that. Good for you. So it's really, really good. That's excellent. Just every book gets better. I'm just so glad that he's still writing. Me he's too. He's not be very young now. Now he's in his 70s, I think. He's still writing. His wife, Faye, is still writing. Yeah. And his, one of his good sons writes. Team, but I haven't read yeah. as many of those as, as I have of Alex Delaware. He's they're just good. Now, isn't, isn't one of the sons Jesse? Does he not? Yeah, Jesse a... Kellerman is writing, and Jonathan yes. and Jesse have written some books together. That's what I thought, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so, they're the keeping next... the, so they're keeping the writing in the family. Keeping it in the family. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The next book to come out in February is called The Ghost Orchid. Can't wait to see what that Ooh, title has yeah, to that do with it. Really yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate it. I think uh, Deborah is ready now. So, Deborah, if you want to go ahead, you're good to go. Okay. Well, I have to say that I totally agree about the Alex Delaware books. They're just wonderful, and I love them, too. Yeah, good. I like the ones that Jesse wrote, although they're not quite as, well, I don't know. They're just still only like one or two of them that I've read anyway. Um, the thing that I wanted to talk about is that I think it was two days ago, um, that the next Karen Slaughter book about Will the Wendell from the Will Trent series was published, and I have read it already. I could not wow. wait. Wow, good for you. Yes, it is fantastic. I think she's one of those one one of those writers who has this incredible knack of being both funny enough to laugh out loud, literally, mm-hmm. and can be scary, as, and yeah, there's a lot really of tension, don't. and there's a lot of dark stuff in it too Mm -hmm. but it's a really good book and it deals with um something that i don't think is really a spoiler simply because it's so old and that is that and i'm drawing a blank on her name right now but 
one that was the coroner. Mm -hmm. Um, She was right when, like, before the first book in the Grant County series, which is sort of what started this whole thing. Mm -hmm. She was right at that point, and that rape came up in the thing that they're working on in this book that's going on right now. And it's just, she weaves that stuff together so skillfully and so well that it's just, it's an excellent book. Very cool. And I'm sure it will be on Bard eventually, but mm-hmm. who knows exactly when. Excellent. But I, I highly that. recommend it. Yeah, yes. It's very good. She's she's good. Her mysteries she will give you the is, shivers. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I, I, I could barely understand you. We're getting a lot of distortion. So if you don't mind saying that again. No, I was just going to say those, her mysteries are just really good cover to cover, but there is, the, yes. they are pretty dark. Oh, without that, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I kind of got addicted to them. I read like the first one, and I thought, I have to read the next one. And I think before I stopped, I had read at least half of the series, and then I had to come up for air. But it was, but they are very, she's a gripping writer. Yeah, it's really good. I read as many of the Will Trent ones. I read the other, the Grant County ones about the Mm corner and her lease one room, but. There's a kind of a confusing place in there right where those series overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, now I can't really remember for sure. I think that she actually don't, she may have actually met Will Trent before the end of that series, but I won't go into what happens at the end of that series because it would be a major plot giveaway. Well, I think she but, did meet him now that you mentioned it in one of because I think he helped out or something in one of the other books in that series. Yeah, he was like the Georgia Bureau of Investigation is where he worked. Yeah. And he was, yeah. It's that it's kind of like what somebody else was mentioning about. Well, it was about the friendship between Alex Delaware and Milo. Um, the relationship between them, especially her and Will Trent, is so gripping, but it was true, really, really about with her first husband too, the guy who was the sheriff. So yeah. I won't give any more away about it than that. But she continues on. Now this brings up the question that I've always wondered: Do you like books where the the main character tells the story from their perspective, or do you like the ones where they always say, "Alex said this," and "Alex said that," or? I think it adds something to it if you get it. Like a lot of the Alex Delaware books, at least in the early part, were him telling the story, basically. Almost like t- t- telling you the story of what yeah. was happening. Yeah. yeah. First tense. And you were seeing it from his eyes, which I, I like the mysteries that do that and do it successfully. Mm-hmm. It is, and it's really one of the strong points, I think, in a really good mystery writer is when he can or she can let you see exactly what that person is thinking and yet manage to, like, have him or her obviously have an aha moment about something. But you don't know what it is unless you can figure it out. And, and that's, that's a skill that's very difficult, I think. That's one of the things I love about Lisa Gardner, too, because she can let you see these detectives and see them solving the case. And then she can put you in the killer's head and you're going, how did you get me there? How can... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Nolan, I'm sure you have something to, to say. I'm about. ready. When whenever. Do you we're I caught mean, up on hands, so okay. do you do yeah. you like the first person or do you like the what do they call third person or It depends that? on the author. I'm fine yes. with either one. Uh yeah. I I do well with the omniscient omniscient uh, point of view where it's like a god tell seeing everything and telling you what's going on and but I, I'm okay with first person. That that works as well sometimes. Um, the trope, the, the things I'm getting tired of are these back and forth in time books. Yes. Where one uh, one writer is in, or one character is in 1950 and the other's in 1920 and back and forth, back and forth we go. And eventually they sort of come together or whatever. I, I'm, that format has really kind of disenchanted me lately. <laughs> I just don't want any part of it. Never have been real crazy about that because I don't know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes the stories are so different from the past to the present, and it's hard to keep track of it until they finally meld yeah. together. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a trope that was really popular a few years ago, and unfortunately hasn't faded away completely yet. So, um, should we do another one? Sure. As long as we're in here, I want to talk to you about three books in a series that I've read in the last two weeks that didn't ever make my book list. Cause you can't get these on Bard. Unfortunately, you're going to have to get them from Bookshare or from Libby. Um, this is a, a mega fun, fun little series about a woman named Carly Hale. The, the first book in the series is called up to no Gouda. That would be G O U D A like the cheese. And these are cozies. So there's no sex in this. These, there's not a lot of violence. There is death, but it's, fairly um cosmetic death it's it's not going to be a real uh, karen slaughter and then you know kind of stuff where there's blood and guts everywhere and you see all of it these these are fairly cozy but very fun mysteries again it's up to no gouda g-o-u-d-a the author is linda riley r-e-i-l-l-y and i found this on libby you can get it as i said from bookshare certainly from audible um Carly Hale's husband died in a car crash a couple of years before the book opens. She's a young woman. She moved back home to southern New Hampshire and started a grilled cheese eatery. I don't think of grilled cheese sandwiches as being all that. I mean, who who would buy them? But I guess people do. Um, And she has all kinds of varieties of grilled cheese in her place. She even uses one with some sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, fruit uh, jelly or something in in there with the cheese and it kind of made me sick to read about it but I some people <laughs> would probably get off on that in any case um she's living the dream she's moved back home after her husband's death she's used all of his life insurance money to buy a little place and she set up this little grilled cheese shop and she has some wonderfully colorful characters who are memorable who are part of the staff with her and um the guy who owns the building is a guy named Lyle Bagley. He's kind of a twinkle bag. He's he's useless. He's not not good for much. He came to her one day and said, you have to be out by the end of the month. Your lease is up, and I'm not going to renegotiate it. I want my girlfriend to open a boutique in this place, in this spot. And poor Carly just barely got her business open five months earlier, and she was hoping it, she knew it was a six-month lease, but she was hoping the guy would extend, and that's why she took the, the chance. Well, he did not, and uh, Lyle, who is the this villain landlord, uh, ultimately winds up lying next to a dumpster outside of Carly's little cheese place, 
and he is well and truly dead. So um, it becomes up to Carly to figure out who killed the guy. The local cops aren't looking very hard. They think they know who it was, and um, they are a little, I mean, Carly's really worried that, that one of her, her staff is going to be held accountable or for that death. Um, it's a fun read. I didn't see the killer until the author revealed it near the end, which is a, a sign of a, of a decent mystery. There are bits of dialogue in here that are a little amateurish, some writing that could have used some editing, um, but but it's a four-star read from my perspective. The narrator, should you get the audio book, is Mia Gaskin, and she does an extremely nice job. She has nice diction, and for an old fool whose hearing is starting to go just ever so slightly, uh, some good diction is never a bad thing to, to have on hand. Um, so I read that uh, on the 20th of, of August um, of this year. Very much enjoyed it. Again, it's called Up to No Gouda, G-O-U-D-A, by by uh, Linda Riley, R-E-I-L-L-Y. Sounds like another good one. It's fun. It's a good, the, the whole series is good. The second one is called No Parm, No Foul. And uh, that was equally fun. And um, there's there's a third one uh, whose name isn't going to come to me immediately, but it's it's I've read that as well and uh, loved it. Um, so I suspect there'll be more down the road. Who knows? Oh, that's a good book too. Sounds good. Um, I sort of hesitate to do this one because I oh the third one is called uh, Cheddar Late Than Dead. So these titles are cheesy, if you'll forgive the yeah, yeah. bad pun. But they're they're all very good and very memorable books. So I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I don't, um, this book, I'm thinking um, this was a this is a true crime book, and it's called Blind Eye: How the Medical Establishment Let a Doctor Get Away with Murder, and it's by uh, James B. Stewart. And in this, um, Dr. Michael Swango was, he was a convicted felon, but they, he was basically a psychopath. And they, this book looks at how, it, it, it asks the questions, how he kept getting by with it and why the hospitals that he worked for didn't do anything and report him for a long time. It took him a long time before he finally got caught. And he was slow, slowly poisoning staff members and things would happen to people and he would he would stay so long and when he thought when they started to get suspicious he would go someplace else and, wow. and start all over again. And it was really shocking to read. And but this the author really takes a hard look at the at the hospitals and the medical establishment and why they let that go on for so long. And it's um, uh, DB, what did I, um, one. It's DB48832. Okay. Oof, that's creepy. Those true oh, crime books set in hospitals scare me to death. Well, that's scary because he just, I mean, he would he would go to new places and he'd fill out the, and he already, I forget what felony he'd been convicted of, but he, 
he, you know, they thought he was an outstanding doctor. So oh, it's so scary. <laughs> Oof, and you've got to wonder how many more times it happens than they, than ever they get caught. I know. You know, and you wonder how can they keep letting them go on? Oh, there is so much circle the wagons and protect bad stuff in in that world. I, I just it terrifies me to think about it. It just amazes me. But oh. um, we have a little time. Did I review last? I can't remember. I should have looked at your list, and I beg your forgiveness for that. Did I review last week Wind, Sand, and Stars? I don't think I did. I don't think so. That doesn't okay. sound familiar. Good. It's a good thing we got short memories. No, this is good. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be it. Bill, that wouldn't be at all problematic. It wouldn't be at all either, you know. Even if I talk about it, it's time to do it again. Even if it was just last week, it's that good a book. This is called Wind, Sand, and Stars. The author is Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. I don't want to spell this. Um, I, I guess I should for the sake of the notes, though. But um, That's okay. I'll... He's the guy who wrote The Little Prince, same author, which was a beloved children's book that a lot of us grew up reading and our kids grew up reading and so on. Um, this, this guy was a pilot in the early 20th century. So early 1900s, 1920, somewhere in that range. Planes in those days were generally made out of wood and cloth. You didn't really have a metal plane, per se, in that, in that era. He was French, as you might have guessed from the name. This is a beautifully written book. This is, I don't even know how to describe it. I read it in, in 2020 first, at, at first. And it's just, it's like poetry and it's magnificent. And you, you, you'll probably tear up a time or two just on the power of the writing itself. Um, how do I describe this to you? It's, a, it's essentially the, the story of his life as a pilot um, flying all over Europe and the Middle East. Um, it's just beautifully written. The poetry, he describes the sky in a magnificent way, you'll never forget it. It's it's like um, even if if you've never seen the sky and the stars and so on, he writes it so vividly and so well that for the first time in your life, maybe you get a better picture than you've ever had. It just it's breathtaking. It's not poetry, but it sounds like it could be on every page. Really, it's essentially his autobiography of his own years as a flyer, nineteen twenties and thirties. There's a memorable account in here, which I dearly enjoyed. He crashes his plane in the Egyptian desert on one occasion. And he walks away from the crash. He lives, but then he has to find his way back to civilization. And what you get here is this extremely graphic, very detailed story of his trek back to civilization. You will feel the thirst he experienced. It will be absolutely horrific it will have you reaching for your favorite beverage of of choice whatever it is running for the water tap whatever he talks about the stages of dehydration that he went through that you know the fact that his tear ducts dried up completely there was no urine his skin began to change and and become leather and like and almost mummified and um it's just a, a phenomenal that scene will stay with you forever after you read this book uh, you'll just shake your head in wonder at the thought of these early pioneer aviators who flew without any instrumentation of any kind 
they had a compass maybe that sometimes worked. Again, these these planes were made of, of almost cheap toothpick wood and sometimes just cloth. And it was just wood and cloth that separated them from a, when they crashed from, from, you know, death itself. It is wind, sand, and stars. The order number is DBC27958. It is one of the best books about aviation I have ever read. And uh, I suspect if you read it, you'll you'll find it equally impactful. Wind, Sand, and Stars, DBC 27958. Great way to wrap it up. Yeah. You always do such a good job at taking us home. So <laughs> and you. I can say thank you to everyone. Thank you, Perry. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everyone. And hopefully we'll be back tomorrow for the Coffee Club. If we have power, we'll be right here. But you never know about those type of things. So have a good evening, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll see you. Bye-bye. Recording stopped. Bye-bye.